Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Groove Talk. Groove Talk is brought to you by Froggy Style Productions. Follow Froggy Style Productions on social media for up-to-date information regarding this podcast. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find them at fsproductions.ca. If you do decide to check out the website, consider signing up for our monthly newsletter. The monthly newsletter is the first thing that you're going to see when you visit fsproductions.ca. There's a little sign-up bar. You just put in your email and you hit sign up. But the monthly newsletter is going to keep you up to date with everything that is happening with this podcast and all the podcasts that get released through Froggy Style Productions. It gives you things like a podcast release schedule and just keeps you up to date with all the news and new things that happen at Froggy Style Productions. So I highly recommend you do that if you are fans of the show. While you're at fsproductions.ca, check out the website. A lot of supplementary material gets posted onto the website. There's a lot of supplementary material that goes along with this podcast, such as articles and album reviews and stuff like that. So if that's something you're interested in, fsproductions.ca. I'm just going to take a couple moments here and tell you ways in which you can support the show. The biggest way in which you can support the show is by visiting our Patreon page and donating to the show on a monthly basis. You can find that at patreon.com slash fsproductions. The minimum amount, which is $1 per month, will gain you early, unedited, and ad-free access to all of the podcasts that get released through Froggy Style Productions. The more you donate the cooler rewards you do get. For example, if you donate $5 per month, you get a merch pack. So we'll send you a t-shirt, mug, stickers, pins, cool stuff like that to keep you looking fresh. Thank you to all of the people who are currently donating through our Patreon page. It means a lot and every dollar helps this show grow. All of the money that we do get through Patreon helps us improve this show. It helps us spend money on new equipment, microphones, and it also helps us support our community by funneling money into the hands of artists, musicians, anything that we deem valuable and can use to support this show and also support our community in general. So check us out, patreon.com slash fsproductions. There will be a link in the episode notes if you would like to check it out and it makes it easy for you. The freest way and the easiest way in which you can support the show, though, is just by telling people about it. Share it with your friends, share it on social media, like and comment on our posts. It all helps us break through the evil algorithms and reach as many glorious listeners as we possibly can. Also, ratings and reviews on your podcast listening app of choice go a really long way. So if you're looking for a free way to support the show, maybe you don't have any spare cash floating around, like I said, all those things really, really help us get the most amount of visibility possible, which in turn helps us reach like-minded listeners and that's what we want to do. That's why we do this thing. Thank you to all of the glorious listeners who are out there right now. Your support means the world to us over here. And we wouldn't be doing this without you. On this episode of Groove Talk, I am joined by Matt Blaze. I had a really good time talking with Matt. Matt has been a full-time musician for 10 years now. And that is an impressive in itself. So it was really cool to just get the opinions of somebody who's been a full-time musician for so long. We basically talk about what it's like to be a full-time musician, maybe things you don't expect when you become a full-time musician and stuff like that. It was really cool to chat with Matt, and I really enjoyed his perspective on things. Uh, I did something stupid in this podcast, and instead of bringing two microphones to the interview, I only brought one. So the audio quality of Matt is very good, but 
the audio quality of me when asking questions is a little bit on the quiet side. So I hope you can get through that and I hope you enjoy this interview anyway because it was really good. And it's not that bad to be honest with you. It, there is just a uh, a slight difference in talking volumes and I did what I could but I can only do so much. At the end of the episode, you can listen to the song Everything Connected off of Matt's most recent album, In Shadow and Light. And it's a really good song. You can find it on Bandcamp. I have all the links of where you can find it, actually, in the episode notes. So if you'd like to purchase it or get your own copy of it and stream it, whatever, you can find how to do that in the episode notes. And I highly recommend you do. It's a really groovy song with like a really cool blues influence to it. And I really dig it. And I hope you do, too. And I hope that you enjoy this episode of Groove Talk with Matt Blaze. Also, actually, one more thing. If you would like to follow Matt on social media, you can do so. Facebook, Instagram, he's everywhere. All those links are also in the episode notes. Okay, I hope you enjoy this episode of Groove Talk. Thank you for listening. This is Groove Talk with Froggy Style. Uh, welcome to another episode of Groove Talk, everybody. On this episode, I am joined by Matt Blaze. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so just to start off, why don't you kind of tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of how you got started in music. Okay, my life story goes back 30-some <laughs> uh, years. No, uh, I got started in music. Uh, I was doing a little bit of uh, theater. I was turning into an artsy sort of junior high, high school kid, and I started uh, writing poetry because I got into Jim Morrison and then I started playing harmonica and guitar because I got into Bob Dylan and started to get a little bit of a attention from friends and classmates and then they'd ask me to bring my guitar to parties. I put a band together and got asked to play some festivals and then started to make a little bit of money doing it and uh, and then here we are today three albums later and you know 2,000 3,000 gigs later and it's sort of my whole life yeah uh, so is it is it something that you're doing full-time then or? I've been full-time musician for about 10 years oh wow yeah okay. uh, I was in university I was in my third year studying English to be an English teacher and then I was getting asked to go on this tour so I had to talk to my profs and be like can I miss this test can I redo this and it just got to be too much so I left school and thought well if I'm gonna leave school I gotta make sure that I'm I'm doing it full-time to make it worthwhile so that's when I really started to chase gigs and chase the dream of playing all the time wow that's awesome um so I guess what 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 is something that people might not kind of expect about being a full-time musician like kind of maybe the something that people wouldn't really you know there's this kind of ideal of being a full-time musician i feel like that's what everybody is kind of striving for if they do start a band and stuff so what's like maybe something like the darker side of being a full-time musician it's, it's like that meme like what my what my mom thinks i do what my friends think i do yeah uh so much of being a full-time musician is actually the the sort of administrative stuff like the, the emailing the spreadsheets like i've got spreadsheets for my records as to like what they cost to make and like how many i've sold you know i'm i'm really into baseball so I'm like really into stats and and so I like keeping track of like okay well I I sell really well off the stage in Lethbridge mm -hmm. maybe I'll focus there more than than Grand Prairie or or something like that uh, so there there's sort of the the math behind the professional side of it and sometimes you get too wrapped up in that uh, and I'll spend all day emailing or inputting 
data and planning a tour that I go, oh man, I haven't, I haven't written a song in a while or I haven't picked up my guitar in a while just for fun. Yeah. That, so that's sort of the darker side of it, I would say. Okay, yeah. Um, I can definitely kind of relate to that when, like just with the podcast, you don't realize how much emailing you have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it feels like, uh, you know, I wish I could have an assistant so that I could just say, you handle all this yeah. so that I can just like play music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, hey, at least one thing that, like, if I ever did start not podcasting, I would have, like, kind of those skills still, you know, how to co communicate with people through an email, how to, uh, you know, uh, get t-shirts made and stuff and do that and all that. So at least it's, like, kind of valuable knowledge. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a, it is a business, right? If you treat it like one, then uh, there's responsibilities that that affect your whole life. Yeah, for sure. So it, it, is it just you kind of taking care of this, all, the, all of it? or? Yeah, it, it is. So my my first, you know, high school band or whatever, that they we were called the Heavy Feather Band. Yeah. And we were just kids who wanted to play music. And I started to take it more seriously. And they had their other, other lives. Yeah. So when that disbanded, I was bummed. It was like my first real band. Uh, and I thought, well, I want to be able to take every opportunity that I can. I want to put in as much effort as I want, and I don't want to be held back or distracted by, by anyone. I thought, like, the Beatles can't just play a gig without, you know, Paul, mm -hmm. if he's busy. So I designed my band, my show, uh, to be just me. It, it was not a democracy. It was... Uh, I don't want to say a dictatorship, but like I, I called the shots and, uh, you know, if we, if there was a loss, I took the loss. If there was a big win, I, I took that win. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's how I designed it basically was that, that, uh, I, I built it around me. Yeah. Okay. So what are kind of uh, maybe some of the advantages of doing it that way and maybe some of the disadvantages that you've encountered? Uh, well, the, the, the advantages are, are exactly that. Like big, big success um, is rewarding. And I, I mean, I still share that with the, the guys that I play with. But uh, the creative decisions ultimately come down to me. The disadvantages of that are uh, the, the same, you know, like everything falls on my shoulders. Uh, it's a lot more work that, that you put in. Uh, I don't have a manager. I don't have an, uh, well, I, I work with some agents, but I don't have one exclusive agent. I don't have a, an assistant. So it's a lot of work. And it, when the ball gets dropped, it's dropped by me. No one to blame but myself. So, how, I guess, how do you go about bringing uh, the other musicians into the project then? Uh, well, I, th I sort of do it two different ways. Um, there's studio musicians who I've worked with and live musicians who I work with. And there is some crossover there. Some of the guys have played on, on the records over the years. Uh, but I sort of like to make a record very different than what I do live because you'll get different results by using different ingredients. So my last record I made, well, half of it in Toronto and with, and without my regular guys. And then half of it I made in Calgary. So I always just try to change it up. Um, but live, I use a, a great core of, of guys. So I sort of have two of every instrument so that if one guy's busy or he's away on another tour, uh, I just call somebody else. But uh, Josh, for example, uh, who who plays drums, he's you know one of my best friends, amazing musician. Uh, he wants to play every gig with me. He's he's passionate about what I do, and so of of course I want somebody like that on my team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you do. <clears throat> Uh, when you do add different musicians and switch up the musicians, is it kind of like this is the part and play it? Or do you kind of give them a little bit more free reign? Or how does that work, I guess? 
Uh, it depends on the song, actually. Song. Yeah, and uh, is it more? Is it more of a jammy kind of song? Uh, I'm I'm never that strict about like note for note. Here's the sheet music. Learn it like that. Yeah. But particular hooks, particular riffs. Okay, that's what you got to learn. And then the solo is yours. Okay. And my direction might be more like. And that's if a song is recorded. We we sometimes play songs that we haven't recorded yet that we're experimenting with. And so then they obviously have a lot more free reign. I might give an instruction like, um, okay, I, I want like I want lots of notes here, something really fast and intricate. And then for this part, just let the chords ring out. But uh, in that sense, it's definitely not a dictatorship because... Uh, musicians are creative by nature and i think if you stifle that that's not a band that i would want to play in and i want my guys to want to play with me okay cool and i feel like also you get kind of uh when you do give musicians that kind of freedom you maybe get ideas and things that maybe you yourself didn't think of exactly yeah yeah exactly i mean mike sands is a guitar player who plays with me a lot and he's musically speaking his knowledge is tenfold what mine is you know he he went to music school he can pull the chord names out of the air just by hearing a few notes he's got the theory he's the exact opposite of me in so many ways so to uh to restrict that knowledge why why would anyone do that you know yeah for sure so how how do i guess what's the songwriting process like for you then uh, well, that's my, I've, I've got the little nest uh, in the corner there, lots of pillows, and uh, you got to be comfortable. I usually pour myself a glass of wine, and uh, then when, when I sit down to write, I usually pull out my phone where I've put a whole bunch of different ideas in, might be one word or a line or two, and then I'll sort of take that and my songbook and a glass of wine in the corner, and I'll just... Uh, start with that song seed and see if something comes of it see if it grows i don't really have a a regimented like co-write style some people just can't get going on their own they like to write with someone else i'm kind of the opposite i i like it solitarily okay and uh when you are writing songs are you thinking of kind of all the parts that would be incorporated in the song or just kind of like your part no that the other parts for me come later i i almost every song i start i think of it as like oh okay this would be a this one would be a good one just me acoustic and harmonica Almost every song, like like sort of like ah, this would be like early Bob Dylan style or like Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska kind of feel. And then I go, okay, well if I do that every time, every song will you know be too similar. So once the song is done and I shelve it for a little while, I'll come back to it objectively and go, oh okay. I, this song needs a guitar solo or let's take the harmonica out and put in some keyboards, something like that. So it's a lot longer in evolution for me, but it does start with that acoustic, just me. Could I perform it solo? Very cool. So for people who wouldn't necessarily know or haven't heard your stuff, how would you describe like kind of what your sound falls into? I I think it blends the the classic rock songwriters, uh, but with a, with a more alternative blues sort of sort of edge. So, like Springsteen meets the Arctic Monkeys, maybe. So, I, it's 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 always strange to describe yourself because, uh, you know, I sound different in my head than I do, uh, you know, out there in the real world. Mm-hmm. So I, I usually try to get other people to describe me. If I bring on a publicist, you know, she'll say like, oh, who do you sound like? I'll be like, no, no, you listen to the tracks. Please tell me who I sound like. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate to that sounding different in your head because every time I edit these podcasts, I'm just like, oh, that's what you sound like? Yeah. Like, uh... I, I think that was the biggest thing to overcome being a, a recording artist was 
you sound different in your in the cavern of your head. Mm-hmm. So to hear yourself for that that first time through those good quality speakers with a good quality microphone, you're like, oh man, I gotta rethink everything. <laughs> but you get used to it after a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah and sure. and and it's sort of you just come to you come to terms with who you are. You come to accept. You be like, oh, that's how my voice sounds. Uh, the the audience. They like it. So like if you don't like it, it doesn't really matter. How many times can you buy your own record? Yeah, exactly. If they like it, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when you are writing songs, are you going for something in particular, like genre-wise, or is it just kind of whatever comes out? Uh, genre-wise, I would, I would say not. There was a particular time in my career where I maybe wanted to write like, okay, the album needs a song for the radio. Let's try to write a radio song. And I found that very unfulfilling. I found it uh, phony. For, for me personally, I know some people do that and they're great at it. Uh, it's more of a chore when I think of it that way. Uh, so I more write what comes out and try to place it later. So uh, I wrote a song recently called If I Have to Die. It's dark. There's no way that that's going to end up on the radio, right? Uh, but it's it's got some of the best lyrics I've ever written. So if I stopped and tried to pigeonhole that into a particular genre, it never would have gotten finished. Yeah. So I'm, I try to be much more free with it. Not every song has to be released, Uh I've got lots of songs that never found a home, but I'm still happy that I wrote them. Okay, yeah, for sure. I feel like that's something that kind of comes with, you know, the more experience you have, you know. Uh, Earlier on, I feel like, at least even kind of talking to my own journey, you kind of do things because maybe you think you have to do it or this is the way it's done and... And then as you go forward, you kind of realize it's like, well, well, like, why am I doing this really? And like, the, usually the answer is because you enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. So if you're not enjoying doing it, then why would you do it? Right. Yeah. And, and again, I think it comes back to knowing yourself yeah. too. Early on in my career, you start, I look back at my first record and it's like looking at a high school yearbook photo and you're like, oh man, my hair was so bad. Or like, why did I, why did I do this? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's who you are at, at the time. So now as an artist, I think I'm a little bit more secure with myself. I know myself better. Mm-hmm. So if, if one song sounds like, uh, I don't know, jazz, and like I've never been a jazz musician before, I go, who cares, yeah. right? If, if a song is too dark and too angry, I go... Well, I don't have to put that out in the world, but it's still a reflection of what I was thinking or what I was feeling. And so you embrace all those emotions, which I think is, I'm glad to be able to do because if I was a pop star, for example, I feel like they don't get to explore all their emotions through their art, Yeah, which is kind of the point of art, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. So I guess that's kind of a, has... Has doing music as like a profession, has that like put a kind of a damper on the artistic expression at all? Or It changes how uh, you use your time, yeah. for sure. Uh, it can. There, there are some days where I go, oh man, I've, I've played guitar for like, like every day for the last like four weeks. I just want to break mm-hmm. from it. And, uh, or even my vocal cords, they get tired after a while. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is like try to write a new song. I need a break. So when, when music is your hobby or your passion or something like that, then you're, I would think you're always excited to play it. Whereas when it's your profession, sometimes you need a break. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it dampens the creativity, um, but the time is, is spent differently. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's something that I've always kind of been, you know, curious about because at the end of the day, like, even if you have the best job in the world and you are doing exactly what you love, it's still work, you know? Yeah. No. There's some days where you just don't want to work, you know? Like. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's very true. And music is 
work, yeah. right? There, there is the practice component. There's the bettering yourself as a musician. Then there's the creative work, trying to create something new. And then there's the administrative, the emails and all that. So it's sort of like three jobs combined, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'm I'm full time three jobs, <laughs> three hundred hours a week. <laughs> so what kind of uh, when you, we were talking earlier about kind of the musical process, it's just and the creative process in general. I feel like a lot of people when they are just starting out something because they don't really know themselves or who they are as an artist, they kind of maybe imitate who they're inspired by. Um, so who who are you inspired by i guess like where does is there any inspiration for your sound in particular yeah oh there's there's lots and i don't i mean i i don't try to emulate but i don't really try to hide it Mm -hmm. either uh being a harmonica player you know there's i mean there's lots of harmonica players but there's only a few famous ones um songwriting wise bob dylan harmonica wise bob dylan songwriting live performance harmonica bruce springsteen uh the rolling stones i i really love sam roberts was a uh, a big one for me i grew up listening to sam roberts and i saw him like 14 times in concert you know so those guys who wear uh their emotions on their sleeve but still have this element of mystique to them and put on a, a good live show. That's kind of who I, I am inspired by. Okay, awesome. Uh, talking, I guess just talking about the live show, so what is, like, what do you, I guess we touched on a little bit, like you may have different musicians, but what do you do differently for your live show versus your kind of recorded material? Well, I, I like to say that the, the live show is different almost every time yeah. because the band lineup can change sometimes it's just me solo sometimes we're a seven-piece band and we throw in a saxophone sometimes you know we're a, a just a rock four-piece bare bones you know rolling stones dirty bar style band so for any of those different lineups i choose different songs based on the festival based on the club based on the band so it's I, I feel like some bands get really locked into, here's our 45-minute set, and we're going to tour that, and we do it the same every night. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I ended up choosing this as my life was that I wouldn't have to do the, the same routine. I don't do very well with, with routine and boredom. And the last thing you want to be is bored with your art. So different songs, different lineup. Uh, and then also you can mess around with the feel of songs. It'd be like, okay, let's try this one like funkier or let's make this one like a little more dark and sullen or something like that. Like when you play with great musicians uh, who know your material well, you can you can throw lots of curveballs at them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess having that kind of adaptability, have you found it uh, easier to get on to different types of lineups then? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I would say versatility is kind of the the keystone of what I do and how I can be full time. Mm. Uh, we've played gigs in the strangest places, like a steel mill and on a boat. I have a gig coming up in the spring that's in a cave. Oh, wow! Like I, I forget how many meters it is underground. But they have to like bring in portable lights and like battery powered lights. Nothing can be powered, but it's this really exclusive thing. Mm. If you're in a metal band or if you're in a 12 piece orchestra or something like that, how do you play in a cave? Yeah. How, how do you accept that cool opportunity? So the fact that I can play solo or with a band, we can change the style. We can really uh, look at the audience and say, here's what I think will impact them the most. Let's give them that show. Okay. And and I, I value that from myself and, and from the guys that I play with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess, it, it like you said, it keeps things interesting. It keeps things mm-hmm. fun. Like... Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes you go, oh, that, that didn't work. Yeah. Let's reevaluate. How can, how can we do that better? So it, it gives you more to focus on. 
to to make uh, again m- more to be creative about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you do you have any kind of problems like when you are writing songs? Do you have problems being like this song is now finished or like kind of letting go of it or? Uh, not not letting go of it. Uh, looking back, there's a, f- a few spots where I go, oh, I wish I had said this. Mm-hmm. Sort of like when you have an argument and then you realize the perfect thing to say, but it's like two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> that that sometimes happens with a song that, that you've recorded. But letting go of a song, again, it, it's a moment in time. It's an, emo- it's an emotion that you were feeling then. So I tend to finish songs fairly quickly or throw them away and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling that anymore and it's an incomplete thought. I'm not going to stress over it. I'll just try to capture something else. Since you have been kind of like, you've been, you've been a professional musician for 10, 10 years now, um, has that always been in Calgary here? Or? I've always been based in, Calgary, always based in Calgary, but we tour, we, well, we used to tour like a lot. Yeah. Now I'm a little bit more selective and I know kind of the places where I want to go, but uh, it's changed, but I've been based out of Calgary and based out of the van, <laughs> you know, li- living yeah. out, out of my Dodge Caravan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how have you kind of seen the Calgary music scene kind of change over those 10 years? Uh, I mean, it's it's certainly improved. There's a, just a lot more artists and, and just higher quality artists too. But I'm also speaking from a place early on, I sort of viewed music as a competition. It was like, I wanted to be like the best. And... Uh, I, my attitude sort of changed with that, where it's not really about trying to climb over other bands. It's about trying to lift everybody up. And so has the scene changed or has my attitude changed? And I'm just more receptive to to everyone. But uh, I, think it, I think it's probably both. There are some great venues in town who've really helped change the scene. Uh, there's more community. Some of the festivals, uh, like Big Winter, are very scene-focused, and the bands support each other. The YYC Music Awards, that's done a lot for the city. So uh, I think people's attitudes have changed, and that has helped the city overall. Mm, no, I definitely agree. Um, you kind of enter the music scene now, or you go out to a show, and you just you kind of see everybody just trying to help each other out mm-hmm. you know whether it be uh bands helping bands or people putting on the shows helping bands or just people just want to be involved i feel you know and and you see a lot of the same faces yeah you know and and those are the key players that are they're sort of the glue binding it together right like you're like oh yeah i met you here and oh here's my friend right that that's how the community grows so yeah you know, where will we be in uh, 20 years, 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I get, you kind of touched on a couple of the things, but yeah, things like Big Winger Classic and uh, the YYC Music Awards. And I actually just did, I recorded a podcast uh, on Monday with pe- the people from the Big Winter Classic. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just a great festival that's, yeah, really scene focused and just really dedicated to. Uh, promoting and giving a place to play for a bunch of local bands. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool to see. Well, and also, I, I've been very... Well, so early on in my career, or like when I started, I wasn't old enough to play in the bars. Yeah. So I had to find alternative places to play. So some of my first like paying gigs... I played in the cafeteria of Canada Olympic Park. So it was like us kids with a crappy little PA system playing to kids and families all in their ski gear while they ate French fries, right? So I've tried to carry that through my whole career. Music does not just need to be in a bar on a stage. Music can be anywhere. And so something like the Music Mile in Calgary... They, they have the same 
mandate, the, the same idea. And I think that's also helped the scene grow, is that uh, anyone can put on a show. If it's in a coffee shop or a house concert or the Saddle Dome or some park. Like, the, the idea about music, you know, being free, basically free on Spotify or whatever, that, that's had a bit of a bounce back that people are like, okay, well, I'm getting it for almost free here, so I'll pay for it over there. Mm. And that, I think, has helped the scene grow. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I feel like as a musician now, you kind of are kind of forced to play those live shows a little bit because music has become so accessible and kind of basically free online. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of maybe driven to look at your live show a little bit more and where you can play. And that I think that's kind of had a net positive on just the the state of live music yeah yeah i've i've all the live show has always been it for me like like above recording above all else it's the live show and there are some people who don't go to live shows and they don't know what they're missing out on right the people that you meet yeah like you can download a great song and and that's cool but it's a different experience than being able to like you know, smell the band to like get their sweat on you to be in the, you know, in a mosh pit with people, uh, to go crowd surfing. Like those, those are all things that you cannot download. And so I do think that we're going to see a a resurgence of the live show when people, when, when the majority of people kind of go, Oh yeah, there's something missing here. Mm -hmm. Like you don't feel the vibration the same way. So, I, I mean, obviously there's some of us like live show purists who've known this forever. And so we advocate for the live show. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I want everyone to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I, hey, I'm one of those, I'm one of those live show people. Yeah. There's something, yeah, there's something about going to a live show that you'll never get through the recorded music. And it's just even the, the energy of being there in a crowd full of people who are, the, are all there to, for the same thing see a great band play and i will never forget the first time that i went crowd surfing yeah <laughs> who was that what what uh, show i'm pretty sure it was a rise against show oh that's a, that's a good place to do it <laughs> yeah yeah back in my high school days so yeah i my first concert was acdc oh. and i lucked out and i got amazing floor tickets and i legit got angus's sweat on me because they we were right by the catwalk or whatever going down the center and i thought this is my first concert this is gonna be hard to beat yeah you know and especially as like a you know a teenage kid it's just it's so huge it's a huge world that you get that you get totally sucked into yeah. i'd listened to acdc songs many times before not the same yeah no i agree Actually, the, the thing that really started pushing me towards, like, rock music and stuff was ACDC. Yeah. I had this, like, one album. It was ACDC Live, and it was a double CD. I just, li- in junior high, I just listened to the, like, the crap out of that album. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and, 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 and it's a live album, yeah. too, right? Yeah. So, like, that sort of gives you a little bit more of a glimpse. But yeah. you also, I mean, music is art, and art is connection right and we know that face-to-face is a lot more connective than over the phone or over text or and those are sort of the equivalents of recorded music yeah right if you really love a band and you want to get to know that band the way that they move their arms right the way that they look at the audience that all plays into your connection with the audience the band just like as humans. So it's like a really homogenized version listening to any record from what it could be. Yeah. Like I, we've got, uh, I think it's like Frank Sinatra Christmas on, on the record player right now. It's great. It's amazing. It's Frank Sinatra. How cool would it be though? If Frank Sinatra was here in this room singing to us, it would blow our minds. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's just a, it's just a teaser is all recorded music is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, a hundred percent agree. I just I love the live music experience and even just 
the vibe of experience in general. It's like one of the reasons that I don't do this podcast over the phone or through Skype or anything like exactly. that. I like sitting down with people and I like talking face to face. And I have done it in, over the phone in the past and it's just not the same, you know? It's, right. You don't get those cues. You don't get the facial expressions, just the way that people kind of, those little ticks that you can only pick up when you're face-to-face with somebody. Yeah. Now, I mean, that being said, people will be listening to this. Yeah. So all my <laughs> all my hand movements are, are uh, they go to waste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like the conversation is better because we have sat down face-to-face. That, that is true. <laughs> and, and our more genuine reaction... Uh, hopefully comes across over the microphone. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, But what you did say a little earlier there, I think it's kind of important for young people to hear, starting musicians to hear, is you can take your music and kind of play it anywhere, like whether it be a coffee shop or it doesn't have to be at a bar. Right. And for bands just starting out who maybe aren't of age yet, I think that that is really important to hear because, you know, I'm sure it's, as a young musician, it's, it's hard, you know? There are only so many places that you can play. Um, so I think that's real important for kind of starting out musicians to hear that, you know, go approach your local coffee shop, see if you can play in the corner on a Sunday or something like yeah. that or whatever. like. Or, uh, or a library mm-hmm. or a community center. Or, uh, I mean, to do this full-time, to do anything full-time creatively, you obviously have to be creative. And if you can't get a gig... Uh, in that traditional vein, then, like, have people over to your basement, yeah. right? Like, if if you really believe in what you're doing, like, I, play in a dog shelter. Like, yeah, like there's going to be someone who is willing to give you a corner to play in. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And um, that's... You, you need... It's kind of unique with live music is you need that audience you know like if you do want to make it a thing you have to kind of get your name out there any way you possibly can and uh, doing it a creative thing as well i found that the best way to kind of get yourself out there is by other people telling your story you know mm-hmm. it's not you kind of shouting like hey look at me hey look at me it's right like getting other people to be like hey what well, you should check out this person or whatever um so i guess how what are some of the creative ways that you've kind of put your name out there? I mean, it's it's different. The one the one that comes to mind was there was a uh, basically a songwriting contest mm. to work with Sam Roberts, uh, which I obviously really wanted to do, yeah. and uh, it, it was for a charity. The charity was called Make Music Matter, and they take kids from all over the world who've gone through uh, like horrible trauma, like child soldiers and, and that kind of thing. And they give them, uh, they try to give them healing through music and they let them tell their story in a recording studio through song. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. And so they wanted a sort of, I guess like a theme song that Sam would play and sing on and then that song would get released and raise money for the charity. So I ended up uh, being inspired by that and writing a song called Fire From The Spark. And uh, I sent that to them and it was entered into the competition. So to answer your question, there was a voting component as everything is because they want engagement in in their platform. So I took to Photoshop and I started photoshopping like uh, my face on like the Little Mermaid, and then underneath it would say like "Please vote for me" or like you know that image of Marilyn Monroe and she's like holding down her skirt. Yeah. I put my face on that, and uh, the sound of music. I photoshopped my face onto that and changed it to the sound of voting. Right, <laughs> and so. This way, I was trying to engage on the internet without just saying, like, please vote for me. It was like, I'm putting in the work. I really want this. If I made you laugh, then, like, consider voting for for my song. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anyone else doing anything like that. They were all just like, vote for me, vote for me, vote for me. I was trying to give something that was worthy of the vote so that I could have the chance to record the song. 
uh, I ended up uh, winning the voting and then they chose my song and so I got to work with one of my heroes so I thought outside the box I took I took visual art my cheesy Photoshop skills and turned it into real art with the song wow that's that's awesome yeah it's it kind of uh, again it also highlights kind of the the jack of all trades that you kind of have to be when you are uh, trying to do anything creative really as a profession um, how has how has the internet and like kind of social media kind of affected the way that you market yourself well I think pretty much for me the internet has always been around but my original uh, website was a MySpace page yeah. for sure so I'm definitely aging myself there uh, I mean there are things now that you have to do you know you have to have uh, Facebook ads and I guess my least favorite word in the in the whole English language is algorithm I hate how you have to sort of like play those games yeah. to get noticed and that's why I lean more on the live show yeah. because it's just you know, I'm I'm building the algorithm, you know, of of my own interaction. Whereas when it's controlled by Facebook and YouTube and and all of that, uh, it's just it's harder to get noticed because you really have to purchase your way to the top. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it pushes you to create more interesting content. You know, your ads have to be more interesting. Your Facebook posts have to be more interesting. Yeah. Uh, it just requires more effort, really. Typing in, please vote for me, is not good enough. Yeah. you got to go the extra mile, which uh, does help separate the pack, I guess. Yeah, I guess it kind of, yeah. Uh, like, how much do you want this thing? Though? Like, are you willing to go that extra mile? Yeah. You know? uh, so, we touched on it a bit, but the YYC Music Awards, they've... Yeah, they have been a real cool thing for the city. Um, and you have been nominated a couple of times and won a couple yeah. of times. So I guess yeah. what's that kind of, uh, I, uh, like, I guess, validation been like for you? Uh, it, it's strange because the, the most I felt validated by it, I guess, yeah. was this last year when I didn't win. Okay. And that was because uh, I, I was up for Male Artist of the Year uh, again. So I won that in 2018, which was which was great. You know, it's like, it's like I got something on my mantle, which yeah. is cool. But for this last year's, they listed out the nominees. And when they said my name, I got the loudest cheer out of out of the group. And I didn't win, which is fine. But I went, I got a lot of friends in this room yeah. who care about what I do and who, who think that I'm a good guy and, you know, we're going to have a great party after this anyway. So that, that kind of felt better than the trophy. I mean, the trophy would have been nice, but I thought, okay, I'm doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess uh, at the end of the day, you're probably not doing it for the awards. <laughs> no, and and I mean, what what the award means, honestly, is something to go in your CV, yeah. something to go in your press release, yeah. you know, so that a festival can go, oh yeah, uh, the album's good, what's he done? Oh yeah, looks good, check mark. It, yeah. it checks our boxes. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like when the UPS guy shows up to my door, I'm just like, oh, by the way, I'm famous. <laughs> oh, you need my signature? Yes, that's an autograph, actually. Right? Like, it doesn't... Uh, it's just another thing to dust. But what what it means is, like, the context of it. So, like, recognition from your peers is uh, is validating, but I've lost many more times than I've won. And that's that's never stopped me. So it's not like winning propels you forward in any way. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that the, like you said, yes, it's cool to be recognized and appreciated by your peers because that's, you know, what the selection process is at the YYC Music Awards. But I'm sure, yeah, the, the fans, that's kind of where, those are the people who are, you know, buying your music and they want to connect with you and stuff like that. And um, So how, how has it, I guess, been like kind of seeing that fan base grow over the years? Uh, I think, well, it, it's, it, it changes, it grows. Sometimes a, a show that you think is going to be really great, it doesn't quite, you know, land. And then 
a, a different show sells out. Like I'm, I'm sort of at the strange point where I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not a cold play or anything. I'm not selling out stadiums, but I have a, a consistent career of, uh, people who hire me, people who come to shows, people who buy records, like my last record I put out on vinyl and, and people get that. So, uh, I, I, I don't really know how it's, it, it hasn't grown like overnight. Like it wasn't an overnight success. It's happened really gradually. And, uh, I've, I've made friends with a lot of my, you know, with my fans, yeah. you know? So it's like, they'll come to shows and then I'll go over to their house for dinner or something like that. It, it feels just a lot more grassroots and more natural than, um, you know, than a, a show company just like selling tickets to people yeah it's like i see a lot of familiar faces yeah. at my shows okay cool i think that kind of uh, also speaks on maybe the kind of the importance of networking as well you know like uh i kind of we, we kind of touched on it a little, little bit before but you know the people who come to your shows if you interact with them and you're just friendly then they'll remember you and they'll be like oh uh hey i'm playing this show we need somebody and then maybe your name pops up or whatever you know and yeah um it's uh, one of the things that I've kind of, again, really kind of learned the importance of while doing a creative thing is just making those connections is really important and those personal connections and just being friendly even, you know, and just kind of going that extra mile to help other people out usually will come back to you in a way, you know, like. Yeah, the, the number one, I mean, really is the number one rule for life. But for the music business, especially, is just that don't be a jerk. Because, I mean, people people talk and you your reputation can precede you sometimes. And I've definitely been a jerk sometimes. But uh, the amount of times that you get recommended for something uh, is, is pretty staggering, you know, because it's a word of mouth business. So as long as you can uh, be good at music and not be a jerk... That's like the the two pillars of music business, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the amount of times that I've heard that from different bands too is, you know, just just don't just be friendly. Don't be a jerk. Don't yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Um Well and and I think early on in my career when I was competitive, yeah. right? Uh, you know, I probably I probably was a jerk, you know, more often than I'd like because I, I had the wrong uh, outlook. So, you know, where would I be if I had just started out as a really nice guy? Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> so what's maybe for somebody who would be kind of just starting out in a band and they kind of want to take it somewhere, what is a piece of advice that you would give that person? I think I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything because, uh, especially from a position of a maybe a little bit older uh, or, or established musician, it comes, it comes from a different place, a, a different time, right? And I want, I would want people to do things differently than I would do them, right? Because I want them to sort of figure it out in their own way. Uh, you know, like Springsteen would give, would give me good advice, but also some of what he said, well, that, that was like 50 years ago. Is that really going to apply? So, I mean, I don't want to skirt your question too much, but I mean, you, I think you have to take it seriously. Otherwise, uh, how can you expect other people to do it? Treat it like a, like a job if you want it to be your job and then be intense about it. Be uh, passionate about it and really empty the tank. Every show, every vocal take. So those Three things are sort of what I've tried to keep in mind for for me. But again, uh, I think a punk musician would think that that's shit. Yeah. <laughs> they they would they would have a totally different opinion of it. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. Be yourself. Maybe that's maybe that's a better one. Whatever you think is right is right, even if I think it's wrong. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so last, lastly, I would just kind of want to know is where, where would you be without music? I, I mean that, 
that is almost impossible to answer because music has been a, a part of my life even before I played it, you know, mm -hmm. singing in the van on the way to go camping, right? Like a, a world without music, uh, thankfully, doesn't exist. I think it would be a, a pretty dark, uh, boring, sterile place that, that, I, that I would be very, very sad in. But do you mean without like a music career? Uh, yeah, so I guess, uh, I guess I did kind of leave it kind of vague, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess where, also without a music career, where would you think you would be? I, well, I, I probably wouldn't have left university, so I would be, I would be an English teacher somewhere. I would still be pushing, uh, creativity, maybe I would be a writer in, in some respect, but, yeah. A world without music would be pretty damn bleak. I definitely agree with that. So, uh, Are there any just kind of final things you want to throw out there before we close this out? Uh, well, I think we should plug the album. Yeah. The, the album's called In Shadow and Light, and it is, it's everywhere. It's on all the platforms. But uh, the coolest way to get it is at a show where I've got him on uh, old school vinyl record. I'll have all the links of where people can find the music and your social media and stuff like that in the episode notes, so it's real easy for people to find you. And thank you very much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Turn up the power, turn up your mind. Trading your speakers for cellos and chives. Hope for a smile, a text for a spine. Vintage your life for a while Not enough brains and not enough hearts Too many ends leaving too many scars I should have known it from the very beginning But my head was spinning No, 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 no connection You think we got no, 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 no connection Wake up, walking on the
If you like this episode of Groove Talk, why not leave a review? You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Help us break through those evil algorithms and reach the most amount of glorious listeners that we possibly can. For up-to-date information on the show, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find us at Froggy Style Productions. For more ways to support the show, visit fsproductions.ca.